which we host every year. And it's good to see a lot of familiar faces. And we want to. Yes, and we want to start the program with our uh, Negro National Anthem, uh, led by our own Sister Kim Wine. The lyrics to the anthem is on your table if you wanted to look along. Uh, but please take a moment with us and rise as we sing this lyric to the National Anthem. To the Negro National Anthem. Oh, there we go. As long as it's not Ferguson.
Now we will have a poem. An original poem. Written by Sister Deborah. Jesse Owen. 
entertainers, doctors, teachers, and politicians, actors, writers, athletes, and physicians. Oprah Winfrey, Simone Sandman, and Ava Bernie. These heroes we need to continue this journey. And pastors, policemen, correction officers, and such, activists, nurses, we need all so very much. Judges, firemen, brokers, and bankers, lawyers, scientists, and blue-collar workers, builders, soldiers, technicians, and inventors, parole officers, social workers, surrogates, and mentors, mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers, grandparents and godparents and significant others, journalists and commentators, Report this great story and judgment from God on the mountain of glory. So we lean on each other and stand on strong shoulders as we engage in life's battles, we emerge ever more. We move forward, fearless of any harm, because we're leaning on everlasting arms. History has taught us strong, and we're all so leaning on each other all day long. God bless you all.
just want to take this time to acknowledge a few people who helped uh, bring this program together. My sister Michelle Carrington. I don't know where she went. She stepped out of the room, Michelle. But Michelle, yeah, there she is right there, Michelle Carrington. It's been her vision put this together. So we want to thank her and everyone who helped her with this project. Before I close, um, you know, in Thessalonia, we are passionate about God, and uh, we believe that God has given us essentially two feats. First, to love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and second, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And to just close this program, I wanted to uh, read a, a portion of a speech by Martin Luther King Jr. And in this speech, he is in the midst of talking about the Good Samaritan. I think we all know about the Good Samaritan. So I'm just going to jump right into the speech. And then we will close and have our remarks for our river. Everybody But I'm going to tell you what my imagination tells me. It's possible that those men were afraid. You see, the Jericho Road is a dangerous road. I remember when Mrs. King and I first went to Jerusalem. We went to the car and drove from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And as soon as we got on that road, I said to my wife, I can see why Jesus uses this as a setting for his parable. It's a winding, meandering road. It's really conducive for ambushing. You start out in Jerusalem, which is 12,000 miles, or, or rather 12,000 feet above sea level. And by the time you get down to Jericho, 15 or 20 minutes later, you're about 2,200 feet below sea level. That's a dangerous road. It became known as the Bloody Pass. And you know it's possible that the priest and the Levite looked over that man on the ground and wondered if the robbers were still around. Or it's possible that they felt that the man on the ground was merely faking and he was acting like he had been robbed and hurt in order to seize them over there, lure them for a quick and easy seizure. And so the first question the priest asked, the first question that the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But then the Good Samaritan came by, and he reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? That's the question for you tonight. Not if I stop to help the sanitation workers, what will happen to my job? Not if I stop to help them, what will happen to all the hours that I usually spend in my office every day and every week? The question is not if I stop to help this person in need, what will happen to me? The question is, if I do not stop to help them, what will happen to them? That is the question. Let us rise tonight with a greater readiness. Let us stand with a greater determination. And let us move on in these powerful days, these days of challenge to make America what it ought to be. We have an opportunity to make America a better nation. And I want to thank God once more for allowing me to be here with you. You know, several years ago, I was in New York City autographing the first book that I had written. And while sitting there autographing books, a demented black woman came up. The only question I heard from her was, 
are you Martin Luther King? And I was looking down writing, and I said, yes. And the next minute, I felt something beating on my chest. Before I knew it, I had been stabbed by this demented woman. I was rushed to Hall Hospital. It was a dark Saturday afternoon, and that blade had gone through, and the x-rays revealed that the tip of the blade was on the edge of my aorta, the main artery. And once that's punctured, you're drowned in your own blood. That's the end of it. It came out in the New York Times the next morning that if I had merely sneezed, I would have died. Well, about four days later, they allowed me after the operation, after my chest had been opened and the blade had been taken out, to move around in the wheelchair in the hospital. They allowed me to read some of the, the mail that came in and from all over the states and the world. Kind letters came in. I read a few, but one of them I will never forget. I received one from the president, the vice president. I've forgotten what those telegrams said. I received a visit and a letter from the governor of New York, but I've forgotten what that letter said. But there was another letter that came from a little girl, a young girl, who was a student at White Plains High School. And I looked at that letter, and I'll never forget it. It said simply, Dear Dr. King, I am a ninth grade student at the White Plains High School. And she said, while it should not matter, I would like to mention that I am a white girl. I read in the paper of your misfortune and of your suffering. And I read that if you had sneezed, you would have died. And I'm simply writing you to say that I'm so happy that you didn't sneeze. And I want to say tonight, I want to say tonight that I too am happy that I didn't sneeze. Because if I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been around in 1960 when the students all over the South started sitting in at lunch counters. And I knew that as they were sitting in, they were really standing up for the best in the American dream and taking the whole nation back to those great wells of democracy which were dug deep by the founding fathers and the Declaration of the Independence and the Constitution. If I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been around here in 1961 when we decided to take a ride for freedom and ended segregation and interstate travel. If I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been around here from 1962 when Negroes in Albany, Georgia, decided to straighten their backs up. And whenever men and women straighten their backs up, they're going somewhere because a man can't ride your back unless it's bent. If I had sneezed, if I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been here in 1963 when the black people of Birmingham, Alabama, aroused the conscience of this nation and brought into being the Civil Rights Bill. If I had sneezed, I wouldn't have had a chance later that year in August to tell America about a dream that I had had. If I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been down in Selma, Alabama to see the great movement there. If I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been in Memphis to see a community rallying around brothers and sisters who are suffering. I am so happy that I didn't sneeze. And they were telling me now, it doesn't matter now. It really doesn't matter what happens now. I left Atlanta this morning, and as we got stuck from the plane, there were six of us. The pilot said over the public address system, we are sorry for the delay, but we have Dr. Martin Luther King on the plane, and to be sure that all the bags were checked, and to be sure that nothing would be wrong with on the plane, and we had to check out everything carefully, and we've had the plane protected and guarded all night.
And then I got into Memphis. And some began to say the threats or talk about the threats that were out. What would happen to me from some of our sick white brothers? Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will, and he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. And I'm so happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord.
served us today. Let's give them a round of applause.
outside of the Bronx Academy for Multimedia. Uh, that school uh, was formerly known as the Hunts Point Middle School. Uh, in, in that vegan program, we offer, of course, from the hours of 3 to 6, there is homework assistance, straight after school program, but after 6 o'clock, open that building up to the community uh, for adult and teen programming. On Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, that building is open to receive community residents and offer meaningful programming. So, just to give you a, a short synopsis of the programs that we offer, on Mondays and Wednesdays from 6.30 to 8.30, we offer an ESL class, uh, which is English as a Second Language. Uh, we also offer the same class on Saturday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. We have three GED preparation classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. There's a Zumba class that we offer from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. on Mondays and Wednesdays, and a yoga class that we offer from 6.45 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And in addition to all of that, we even offer a computer literacy class for all ages from on Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. and on Mondays and Wednesdays from 6.30 to 8.30. These are just our core programs we offer. We're also in the process of um, creating a partnership with the New York City Parks Department. They have a program called Shape Up NYC, in which they co-locate um, certified fitness trainers to come out to community spaces. Our school in the month of April will be one of those spaces. So I hope that uh, maybe we'll come back in March and let you guys know the date in which those classes are going to be offered. Lastly, before I take my seat, on Saturday, April 14th, the Hunts Point Vegan Program is hosting in conjunction with DYC's Spring into Health Initiative, our second annual Health and Information Fair. Uh, the, the fair will take place at our school, rain or shine. If it's sunny, we'll be outside the yard. If it's raining, we'll move it into the gym, which is about 30 feet from the yard. This program will take place rain or shine. We have commitments right now from Fidelis Healthcare from, from, from Metro Plus. We have a Zumba class. The FDNY is coming to do compression only <coughs> CPR training. And uh, there'll be free health screenings. So, this is located at the Bronx Academy of Multimedia. The address is 730 Bryant Avenue. We're between the cross streets of Fayette and Lafayette on Bryant Avenue. We're the only community middle school in the in the Huntsman Peninsula. Uh, and so it's the it's the Bronx Academy Multimedia. I thank you for your time and the replies of the and our programs in the back. Thank you. Thank you, Desmond. And like we always say, we want our kids to be taken care of. Thank you for that program. Please contact him. Make sure that our kids uh, can be afforded the opportunity of that Deacon's program. I also want to bring up Alex Gopichek. Is it? I'll go up for you. Hello, I'm the National Head Director of the School. We're a brand new daycare located.
so we focused on that area. Um, we did an excellent job. Uh, in the end, there were 25 targets, actually 24 targets, and um, out of 24, we have 20 in custody right now. Four of them still have seven. Um, it's only a matter of time before those, those other four in custody. We have um, the U.S. Marshal Service looking for that, and uh, as well as uh, NYPD Warrant Squad. So uh, it's only a matter of time. But uh, they did an outstanding job. I can't go into too many details. It's still an open case. Uh, this is just the beginning. Um, this was the first phase. Okay? But they did a good job.
forward looking at the chain and he shot the leg of the detective squad goes out, they pull video, and uh, you know, he, was, he was being truthful about that. He's been very cooperative, and the two friends with him have been very cooperative. Unfortunately, at this time, we are unable to identify the perpetrator. With that said, we all know Lieutenant Tansis, great squad commander. He has a couple solid leads. I'm hoping we have the rest on that by the time I'll see you guys again next month. Any questions for the inspector? Concern. My concern, um, we had a stabbing of the team. Yes. We had a teenager that was stabbed last week. Yes, we have an arrest date on that. I'm just asking if it's possible that we could put more police officers on a corner of Fox and Longwood. That's a good idea. Absolutely. That's a very good idea. Thank you. Very good idea. Well, There's too many continuing on. Any other questions or concerns? Could the inspector? I used to work right there and I still say Yes, ma'am. Did everybody come? Hello. Did I say a meeting? Yes. I'll, I'll definitely keep uh, you guys updated on that. David at Sector David's meeting. Okay. So anyone that lives in Sector David, that's the David. Thank you very much. Right. Thank you, Inspector. Uh, like always, they're doing a dynamite job, and um, I got to tip my hat off to them. And um, let's give them a round of
please relay it to the board members so like that we can then uh, maybe get you the answer. With that, uh, Maria Torres, our secretary. Did you get my name? No, no. I was going to say something, but I'll say it later.
No third, there's no other Larry effect. Yes, Maria Torres. Maria effect. The reason I brought it up, Larry's very effective as the chairman. I would hate to not have him. Uh, it would be his decision which one of the two of this gets approved. But he'd have to accept it. Okay. Yes, ma'am. I definitely agree and I disagree without taking out Maria and Larry from what they're doing because they're very. Their community board members that have been here have been very useful to this community. And I don't think it's fair for you to take that position away from neither one of them. I think you should let them stay where they are and maybe next year bring that up. I disagree with it completely. I, I, I understand what you're saying, but in order for me to implement this, it's not going to be overnight. Uh, so by the time this, this session of the board ends, which is in June, it'll be official. It'll give some time. But I also want to let people know Two years already, we've had good leaders appointed to this board. And those leaders need to be recognized for the work that they're doing. And my concern is that how do we recognize these board members without having them show their leadership to other board members? And so that's why I'm asking for this approval. I understand the sentiment. It's their decision. They can stay as chairs of their committees. I'm not saying they got to step down, but they have to make a decision. Either the position on the executive board or their position as chair of the committee. So that means the community board don't make a decision about that? The rest, of, the rest of us don't make a decision whether should they should step down from their position? No, they'll make their own decision. But this is only going to be the approval of the amendment, and then after that, how the implementing it which is probably sometime after the next board meeting. That's the same thing you did when, when we had the housing committee and we were, I was on the house and you had members on housing who were there for you officially. Always there, always giving in to our community, but always on top of it. And we had to pick between coming down just to stay in one one committee, and I disagree with that. I had to come down, but I don't think it's fair we're doing it again, and it's not fair to them. And I'm gonna be, and on that issue, I'm gonna say it. Because we were able to change the number on the committees, we are meeting our quorum, and we are having committee meetings. We are doing the business of the board. Before, we were not able to do the business of the board, and we were having major difficulties in getting quorum. Franchise is still suffering from community. Franchise is not suffering. Yes, it is. Franchise has its three members, and that's enough. That's not fair. That's just my opinion. I understand, but you, you, as you make your statement, I will respond to your statement. Mm -hmm. Hasta gracia. Oh, most 
replacement. Uh, while I disagree with that, the chairman is correct. The attendance has gotten better at our committee, and we're able to do the work of the committee. While as a personal decision, we may want to be on the one-to-one -one committee because our passions are married. Right now, that's not an option because the board wasn't functioning the way it should be. With this position, speaking from the position of a younger, newer, quote-unquote, board member, when you come into the board and you're looking to continue to advance and you're looking to continue to move on to spots that can further your ability, your education on the board, but people are both in two positions on the executive committee and in a chairmanship, it becomes hard to find that doorway in. I think what the chairman is allowed, what this, what this amendment will do, will allow the chairperson and the board to put people on the executive committee and do the best work on the executive committee and able to put people in the chairmanships of the separate committees so that in years to come, they can step up to the executive committee. But if there are no open doors to be getting your leadership opportunities in the, in the committees, then you'll never get to executive. It's hard to see someone move to the executive committee while never sitting as a chair, and you never have the opportunity to sit as a chair because those spots are taken by people sitting in multiple positions. It's unfair to everyone else. I'm just going to take one, two more questions, and that's it. That's going to be it because I got I got other people that need to speak and other work that I have to do before the board. Dr. Francis. Okay, I think that um, we duly elected the incumbents to this position, and for us to make changes now, just few weeks, few months after the election, I don't think that's, um, I don't think it sounds very good because I would like to place myself in the position of the individuals affected. I do not know who the individuals are. I'm only speaking to justice and I'm speaking to objectivity. So if I can get for a position and I have a unanimous vote, and someone that I was voted in, and just within a few months, there are changes that deprive me of that position. I don't know whether I will feel very well. So that I just I'm just presenting it so that if we ourselves are in the in the shoes of these individuals, how do we feel? It's just for open discussion. I, I understand your, your sentiments, but I, I want everybody to understand one thing. It's within my own power to remove these individuals from the chairs. I have not done that because I happen to feel that we need to have a democratic process, because this is not a dictatorship, as some people have stated that I ran this board with as a dictator. I'm not running this board as a dictatorship. What I am asking is for the approval to make these changes within the next two months, so like this I, we can then proceed in creating new leaders in this community board. There are many young people that sit in this board that should be given an opportunity to have their voices heard within the leadership of that committee as well as in the leadership of the board. That's what I'm asking. And I'm not saying anything about people needing to sit down or not be heard. They, anybody, I mean, so to answer Barbara's question, Anybody can go to anybody's board meeting, any committee meeting. You're not restricted not to go to any committee meeting. 
So if you're really concerned about what's happening in that committee, go to the committee. You're just not a voting member. That's all. Who's that over there? Joyce? Hi, Joyce. Uh, and, and Joyce, I, I did say that it, it, should, it has to come by a committee member, a board member. Excuse me? It has to be done by a board member, the question to the, to the chair. But, but I'll let you ask a question. I'll let you ask a question.
but the youth are not going to come where we are. A lot of times they come to our meetings, they definitely get turned off because we don't give them an opportunity to express themselves and say what's on their mind and what they think which direction this community should go into. Um, recently, I had a meeting and we opened up where we let everybody have a say so. We had quite a few young people there. And I was telling them, well, why can't you come to the community board meeting? They said, well, we know that you come out to us, but we had that even the problem is you don't relate to us, but we relate to. So they start talking about Twitter, Instagram, and all these hashtag stuff. They show me pictures of people with funny noses, the hair sticking up. They said, you gotta come into social media, we'll connect with you that way. And I thought that was very interesting, because I don't know too much about social media, except for my two daughters constantly text or whatever that they do know the funny phones they got. But they said this is a way to get their interest into us. And I brought that up sometimes we can really board that maybe we should go in a different direction, how to reach to our kids. And two, we open the door and connect to them with what they do, what they like, what they love, they're not gonna be successful. Thank you, Heather. So here's the thing. We have a motion on the floor, which was duly uh, uh, second. And uh, so we have to take a vote on this amendment. What I want to do then, I will break it up into two different categories. I'll do the community meeting, the community residence first, where the executive committee can review the attendance of uh, members that are appointed by the chair to those committees instead of putting both of them together. Um, and then this way, there is no, no, then we can do a motion for the second one, and I already heard, and I respect, uh, I respect the dean, one of the deans, but we recognize them in December, the four deans of this board. And I would accept the, the recommendation of the dean, one of the deans, to put it off, so next month, but it will be on the agenda for voting next month. All right. With that, for to give the power to the board, to the executive committee to review attendance of community residents who are sitting on committee on committees. Do I get a motion to accept that? Second by Marta. I mean, uh, made by Marta. Second by Jesse. All those in favor say aye. Aye. Any nays? Any abstentions? Hearing none, thank you. What I will do is on the second uh, part, I will take the recommendation of uh, Jesse and, and put it off for next month to be voted on. Is that okay with everybody? All right, moving on. We have five recipients, as you know, that we, the Yankees give five checks to five of our youth in, the, in this community, in all, community, in all community ports of the Bronx. But we get five from here for Port Moyne. And I believe the five recipients are here? No. No? Okay. Uh, I will name the five recipients. They will be given a check uh, on the day that they got to go to Yankee Stadium. Uh, to be recognized by the Yankees, they will go to the field. 
be recognized by the Yankees and all the people that go to Yankee Stadium. And uh, then their checks will be given to them. And the five people are Renilla Campbell. She here? Tyler Stoker. They're not here. None of them? We didn't just announced it. Moving on. Oh, they're getting a check from the Yankees for $750. They were selected by a committee of four and it's for community participation uh, in organizations and making their voices heard. So I want to uh, say that. Yes. Step down. Okay. 
Uh, so I got a letter here from uh, Maria Torres that she's going to step down uh, as the secretary of the board. Uh, it'll be effective after today's meeting. And, and what I want to do is because I do not want to appoint the secretary, have an election for secretary because it's in June we're going to have another election for all the board for all the executive board members. So what I want to do is I'm going to, uh, under my powers, I'm going to appoint Glendalise Saigado to, to do the minutes for the board. Glendalise, please step up. She will be doing the minutes for the, for the, for the board. Uh, we will try to find somebody for the executive committee because there are issues that are still here that only uh, executive committee members can, can uh, participate in. Okay? Uh, so that, that includes that. Um, I just wanted to say that this, this last, this month, we were lucky to have uh, in the education committee school construction authority that came down. As we all know, we got about 1,600 new units coming up in the next three years in this community. And what we are asking from the school construction authority is that they need to look at how that's going to affect our community and our schools. We were lucky to have that, that person uh, come up. And uh, we are asking that individual to work with the education committee, which is ran by Cedric, uh, and, and uh, our district manager, together with our councilman, Salamanca, because uh, without some uh, city council muscle, we won't, we're not gonna be able to get uh, the school. Uh, and, and Hunts Point's getting 742 units. Uh, Woodlock is getting 420 units. Uh, 163rd, uh, Interville, that area is getting another 300 units. So that's a lot of units. That means a lot of new families coming into Fortune. We, we don't want to talk about schools when the building is built and people moved in. So let's talk about schools now so that, that when the schools, are, when the building is built, the schools should be built and the kids can move right in without any problem. Um, and we are also attempting to have the director of school safety uh, for the Bronx, for the city, to come down to the education committee. We need to find out what's our security plans for our schools. How is it working? What does it entail? How many metal detectors do we have? Do we have one or ten ones to make sure that the kids are going into a safe environment? What's the procedure stop the bid? If, uh, if something got the bid, like in Florida happens in New York in one of our schools. What's the procedures of the school safety officers? Because I wasn't happy about what I had heard, that communication goes from point A to point B to point C, to then go to point D, when it should be A to B, which is B should be the police department, and not go all over the place before police department knows that there's a shooting in the school. Right? So uh, I'm asking the school safety, the director of school safety to uh, come in. I'm asking the councilman to help us on this because uh, Ralph has been attempting to call him, and, uh, and for some reason to no avail, they're answering our call. But with all of that, I want to thank you. I'm sorry it was a lengthy meeting. Uh, the discussion on my part, I didn't make it to be, but uh, I think uh, we cleared up here. All right? Thank you very much.
I am going to ask Councilman Rafael Salamanca to come up, and then after that, uh, our district managers will come. I stood with Senator Klein, I stood with the community board, 
and um, there was opposition because we do not need any more jails in our community. You know, let me tell you about my district. I have over 30 shelters in my council district. We do not need any more homeless shelters in my council district, regardless of who the provider is. We have over 460 cluster sites in my council district. We do not need any more cluster sites in the council district. We have hundreds of units for supportive housing. We do not need any more supportive housing. We've done our fair share. What we need is affordable housing in the South Bronx and the West And so the mayor came and they've been allowing me for this, for this jail. And you know, just about a month and a half ago, I was named chair of the, uh, the land use committee. So I have oversight. or that, that, that piece of land. They're gonna build a jail in Manhattan, but there's a jail already there, so they're not really doing much. They're gonna build a jail in Queens, there's already a jail there, so they're just gonna do some capital improvements to that jail. They're gonna build a jail in Brooklyn, they're just gonna do some capital improvements to that jail in Brooklyn. There's no jail going to Staten Island, right? But in the South Bronx, they want to build a jail. Well, where they want to build this jail is not in my district, but it's directly across the street from my district. So let me explain what's happening here. And that's in Diana, Councilmember Diana Ayala's district. In that one, one mile radius, I have a juvenile detention center half a mile north in Community Board 1 or Horizon, which by the way, I am working with the administration on raising the age, because I believe in removing the 16 and 17 year olds out of Rikers and putting them in a secure location where they can get the help that they need. And I think that that's the right place for this to So they want to build Horizon, we have a juvenile detention center. Then they want to build this jail on this tow pound, half a mile north of that, south of that location. And then another half a mile south in Hunts Point, we have a hundred, 800 men jail called the barge in the Huntsville community. So I just want to express my frustration with the administration. Tomorrow the Bronx is meeting with the mayor's office with the mayor at Gracie Mansion at 10 30 in the morning because he understands that he screwed this up. Is there a representative from the mayor's office here? Alright. Um, he understands that he uh, that he messed this up and uh, and we're frustrated. We are frustrated with this process. So I will keep you posted as to how this goes. Where, now, let me, let me be clear here. Rikers needs to close. We need to close Rikers. What's happening in Rikers, I, I, I went to visit Rikers about a year and a half ago, is inhumane what's happening in there. Now, in order to control the violence, in my opinion, you need smaller jails. I believe in that as well. Now, all boroughs are going to get a smaller jail. That's reality. It's, it, it, we just can't say no, no jail in the Bronx. It's going to happen. But it's, where do you place that jail? The jail needs to be close to the courthouse. And in my opinion, this jail that needs to come to the Bronx should be behind the courthouse on 161st Street. There's a parking lot, and that's exactly where it belongs. All right. So. Um, there's two more things. The uh, 
I just want to report that the Spafford project is moving along. I'm really excited about that project. They came to committee this week. We're talking about over 750 units of 100% affordable housing. We're talking about 200 jobs created, 15 maintenance jobs, permanent jobs that will be created, and these would be union jobs, 32 BJ jobs. Now, I've tasked, I have asked the group that before we give our final snap of approval, which will happen sometime in March, there's a few things that needs to happen. I want to make sure that these 15 permanent maintenance jobs are given to members of the community. Now, that may seem like it's not a lot of jobs, but those are the jobs that that site is going to create. So why can't these maintenance jobs go to our residents? These are union jobs, where they'll get a pension, they'll get health care, they'll get good paying wages. And so what I've asked, what I've asked the, the team to do is to prepare a some type of, I don't want to say it's a school, but some type of training where they can work with 32 PJ, they can have some training in the community, train members of the community. Pretty sure they'll get more than 15 that would be part of, be part of this training. They'll have a pool where they can hire, but also these members that are trained, they'll be they will be on the list for potential jobs at 32 PJ, you know, in all five boroughs. Um, I've also asked for a food incubator. I believe in creating light manufacturing jobs. There's a, there's a lot of startup jobs, people where they want to learn how to cook or they have ideas on how to create their own recipes. I would like to see that as part of that. And something else that I would like to see is before the construction starts, I would like to see Tiffany Street between Spafford and Lafayette, new lighting, more enforcement in terms of getting rid of the tractor trailers that are illegally parking there, more enforcement in terms of the prostitution that's happening there, and surveillance cameras on a spotlight site with lights so that while construction is happening, we can, make, we can begin to rebuild that community. Um, you're going to get some, some flyers. I'm pretty sure you, I don't know if you got this in the mail. It's just some of the work that we've done in the community, and you're also going to get a list of the ultimate site parking. This is a big thing. You know, if you have cars, you know, you have to get a herder to move your car, and now you get a summons. And then, just finally, uh, we've, we've tried to put this in all the tables. So there's this, uh, there's this uh, journal, this uh, magazine that covers politics in the city of New York. Um, they're called City and State. And every year, they come out with a list of the 100 most powerful elected officials in Albany and the 100 most powerful elected officials in the city of New York. I've been in office less than two years. And I'm just proud to say, and I'm really excited, and I want to thank you, Community Board School, because you've helped me, you've guided me to get to where I'm at today. Uh, I am listed as the 43rd most powerful elected official in the city of New York.
in that, not even within three blocks of where they want to do this. You got new homes that were built there. You know, the value of those homeowners got to be put up. Across the street from where the council was talking about is more homeowners, about three blocks points to the north, which is the Villa Maria houses. So we gotta also remember about all of those people. And that's why I am putting myself and anybody else who go to to participate if we have to go out into the street to stop this uh, to stop the jail. Uh, well, I'm gonna do it through the district manager's report, Ralph. Thank you. 
office and that was that so that was me so you may have spoken with me on the phone but i never had the pleasure of actually coming to uh to the meetings uh Cruz. Um, it's, it's, part, it's still with me and she's still part of my staff so she will be here at every meeting and i will promise to try to be here as often as i can i cannot promise that i will be here every month but i will i will promise that you will take me a lot more than you think that you will um
So they've been looking at a bunch of different locations throughout the Bronx, and they haven't been able to find a space that meets those requirements well enough. So they have concluded that the pound on 142nd Street is the best location. It's city-owned, it's not heavily residential, and it's across the street from the train. It's close enough to the courthouses so that inmates can be transported easily back and forth. Having looked at that, then I, I, I believe that records should be shut down. That is my position. Um, and I'm open to having a conversation about whether or not that's the law. We, I have been very clear with you know the, the community board one as well, and with anyone that will listen, that this has to be a community-led conversation. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm saying that at least we have to be open to that. I think that yes, the South Bronx is inundated with a million and one shelters, mental health clinics, everything that no one else wants is in our district. That is true, that has always been true. I, I believe that, I know that, I recognize that. But I think that this is also an opportunity to have a further conversation with the administration about moving some of those services, about you know building uh, more affordable housing, about uh, more you know jobs in this community. And so I think that there are benefits, and then they're not you know, to something like this happening. But there will be a robust community consultation process you're more than welcome to participate in that because this is actually an issue that affects the entire Bronx. Um, you know, we're going to be meeting with the administration tomorrow to have more discussion. But what I ask you is, whatever your position is, be open-minded enough to listen because I think that people, I was hearing from people, well, we're going to have, you know, this is very interesting from the school. You know, what about safety? The police department? Da -da -da -da. And I'm like, who are you afraid? I mean, the inmates are not going to be roaming the streets. They're still incarcerated. They're not going to be roaming the streets. And by the time that this happens, we're hoping to reduce the population, so we're not talking about that many individuals. But there's a lot of stuff that we have to talk about, right? We also, Ralph will tell you, he has, in his district, he has the barge. He has the youth uh, detention center. So that's a lot for one community. So that's a conversation that needs to be had. But I am at least open-minded enough to hear to want to hear from the administration, what are the benefits of this? Because I also believe that, you know, um, if, if you've ever gone to Rikers Island, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want you to, you know, don't pick up your hand. I don't want anybody. <laughs> I'm not asking you to volunteer information, but if you've ever been to Rikers Island, I have. It's very difficult to get on and off the island. Uh, the process of getting in to see family members, and again, when we're talking about family members, I mean, there are people in there that have committed some serious crimes. But the bulk of those individuals are just different, you know, versions of Khalif Browder. And we know how that ended up. And so I have a responsibility to at least listen. And that's all I ask is that we listen and at the, at the end of the day, we conclude that this is not something that's good for, for us, then it isn't. But that's kind of where I am. Thank you.
have Boris Guerrero from State Senator Pancho. Got two minutes, everybody. First of all, I just want to con uh, congratulate uh, Councilman Salamanca on um, becoming one of the most powerful city elected officials. So let's give him a round of applause for that. Um, I just want to read uh, uh, a release statement that we had um, in regards to NYCHA. As you know, the councilman and the city is in an uproar about everything, all the conditions that's happening in NYCHA. So, um, what we're doing now as part of the IDC package is it can pass legislation in order for um, the New York, to giving New York City Council the power to have oversight of NYCHA and create an Office of Independent Monitor to oversee operations at NYCHA. So this law would allow City Council to have power and also allow to pass legislation in regards to all the mismanagement that NYCHA is doing, which is absolutely great. I think um, with having this uh, this bill passed, it will give power to our councilmen in our district to oversee what's happening in all, in all of the NYCHA developments throughout the entire city. Um, the second part, part of legislation that we have passed on is also... They passed an additional Senate passing two bills, which was oh, sorry, just lost my <laughs> Oh yeah, it's to increase transparency and increase accountability for those that are managing NYCHA developments. Um, also in regards to Rikers and the jail bars, we are in conversation with Senator Klein and City Council to also put a stop and also hopefully remove this jail barge that is also sitting in our part of our district. So that's pretty much it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lawrence. The next uh, representative, uh, elected official, Gloria.
all the stipulations that you have to abide by. Yes. Okay. It's and and five years on Southern Boulevard. Long. But because of the guidelines, 
HPP has told them that they're going to have 83, 83 units. So they need a new letter of support for the additional units. It's only good for us because for us it means that we're going to get about 81 units, 41 units. Yes? Second. Second by Cedric. All those in favor say aye. Aye. Any nays? Any abstentions? Hearing none, motion passed. The committee chairs. Committee chairs. Environmental, Rosa Lopez. No voting item, but there's a meeting this month that just went, and the minutes are in the back. Uh, Larry Robertson, Youth Services Committee.
leaders men and who are two who are females. So we need to sit down to see how we put that together. Okay, thank you. Uh, and last but not least, the Education Committee. Cedric, the cluster. All right, the Education Committee met. We had a dynamic meeting. It was highlighted by the chairman. Uh, and it's reflected in your memory. I don't quite know what page we're on, but we're in it. <laughs> <laughs> you probably wanted to question the question, because I know you've you got yourself quick. Um, with that saying, we're not going into all business. Any old business? Any new business? Any announcements? I only have one announcement. I always get burned. I've been getting burned by the newspapers recently that um, the Yankees never announce when they're doing the other stuff, which is the community benefits agreement. Uh, every year I, I make two or three announcements. The applications are out online. It's BronxYankeeFund.org or .net. I'm not sure about the last three. It's one of those two. Please go in there. It's only a three-page application. Submit it. Get it to us. Do not tell, don't speak to me about it because I have to abstain to anything that happens or to any application. But it doesn't mean that I do not sit in the committee and I do not advocate. This community board, since that has happened, has received approximately $125,000 every year since I've sat on that board. So I want to make sure that everybody comes. Announcement, Larry. I'm going to
for the monthly community board meetings and committee meetings. We only meet quarterly. Right now, there's only three to four people on the board, and I myself am turning out. So we'll only have about two or three people on the board itself. We need more people. Uh, reach out to your elected officials. They have spots in which they can nominate you. If not, please reach out to DYCD and Gianna Peralta. I'll have his information at the board office so that if anyone is interested, they can reach out.